Hello, everybody. Let's begin here in a moment. Let's begin. Good evening, everybody. Welcome back. This week is Parashas Matos Masai, and we're going to learn the halachas of the nine days. There was a little mistake in the email. Um, the subject said we were doing last week's topic. So we're going to be learning about the halachas of the nine days. And Amir Sashem next week, we'll learn the halachas of Shabbos Chazayin, how to prepare for Shabbos Chazayin, and the halachas of Tishba. So <clears throat> the nine days are going to begin in Sashem this um, Wednesday evening. So this, I'm sorry, this Tuesday evening. Thing here. It's going to be in this, this Tuesday evening, so we refrain from eating meat and or meat dishes throughout the nine days, unless it's a Sudas Mitzvah, like a Siyam or a Bris or anything like that. Uh, children who are old enough to understand the idea of a prohibition, they can understand the concept of what you're not allowed to do and why you're not allowed to do it, so that would be about four or five should not be fed those foods as well. So fleshigs should not be fed to children when they get to that age where they could already understand the concepts of, of an isser. Uh, likewise, wine is avoided and not added to dishes throughout the nine days. <clears throat> we don't wear any new clothing, brand new clothing, certainly not, or freshly laundered clothing throughout the nine days, with the exception of Shabbos. <clears throat> Shabbos clothing, even though they have, they're not fresh out of the cleaners, being that they, you only wear them once a week and they look so much you know, cleaner and put together than typical, so we consider them like fresh clothing. That's why you don't wear Shabbos clothing during the nine days as well. In order to prepare, prepare clothing for the nine days, we wear them for a short amount of time before the nine days, about 10 or 20 minutes for a shirt or a skirt in order to remove the status of freshly laundered. Um, and again, new clothing we don't wear other than Shabbos. We shouldn't be wearing brand new clothing on the nine days. <clears throat> now, uh, 10 and 20 minutes might be a lot, depending on uh, the situation. So really, the, the concept is you should wear it long enough or do something to it that takes away from its fresh, laundered um, feel. But the 10 or 20 minutes is definitely good enough. If this wasn't done before the nine days, for whatever reason, it can be done on Shabbos as well, as long as you're not overtly preparing for the weekdays. So you can't wear jeans on Shabbos. Uh, but you would be able to wear shirts and, you know, as long as they are appropriate for Shabbos, you can wear them on Shabbos as long as it's not very clear that you're doing a hachana. Uh, this applies to pajamas as well as linen. There's both, both should be things that are used before the nine days. So if you're planning on tra- changing your linen, make sure you have it changed before the nine days begin. Um, if your gaita goes and whoever it is changes the linen, um, you know, you may change the linen after nine days begin. It's, it is questionable. Uh, it's possible you should have to take it off or what you could do is you take it off and make it like used, whatever, but it's, it's not simple. Now, undergarments don't have to be pre-worn as is the minig. So that's the socks, underwear, undershirts, etc. Those kind of things should for women's shells, basically the same idea, don't need to be pre-worn because those become sweaty and we're an istinist. So the, the prevalent minig in, in America is to be makele with those things. Laundry can't be done during the nine days. Uh, we can't give something into the cleaners either, even if we just uh, 
uh, want to use it for after the nine days. We can't have the cleaners do it for us. We can't have our maids do our laundry for us. But children who soil their clothing, often it's permitted to do laundry. And the age that a child uh, is, is considered as soils his clothing often is still old, you know, 10, 11 at least you can do their laundry. But after that, then they're like adults and you can't do the laundry anymore. No clothing can be bought or ordered during the nine days, even if you're going to get it after the nine days. You can order something now, even if it'll arrive in the nine days. That's okay, because you bought it now. You can't you know, use that clothing in the nine days, but you can make the order now. But you can't order something on the nine days for after, or you can't utilize new clothing or buy new clothing during the nine days. Um, likewise, no item that gives significant pleasure should be purchased, like furniture or nice home decorations. And if there's an unusual sale going on, like something special, unique, and it's like a loss of money not to take advantage of it, so then you can ask a Shiloh, depending on exactly the situation. A lot of times it's mutter. Simple needs you can purchase, uh, even a small electric appliance, like a hand blender, that kind of thing you can buy. So all those, those needs you can, you can attend to. Clothing can be tailored either, and uh, having a shaitel washed or cut is equivalent to tailoring or washing clothing, and is therefore prohibited even, um, even for Shabbos. We don't wash or shower or swim during the nine days. Now, if a person is very uncomfortable or has gotten dirty for one reason or another, they may shower, but the warm water should not be bath temperature. It should be lukewarm. Um, and it should also be brief and to the point. So don't, no extensive showers during the nine days. Even if you do need to take a shower because you're very uncomfortable, make it fast. And the minimum usage of you know, soap and shampoo, shampoo as necessary. Children may bathe and they may swim, but generally swimming, even for children, is, children is avoided during the nine days, mostly because of safety concerns. Um, but uh, swimming lessons as well. But we, you could definitely, they could bathe and they could wade and splash around in water. That's okay. That children can do. Um, cutting nails and uh, other such bodily needs, like um, for women shaving, those also should not be done during the nine days. But that's something that could be done the Kabbat Shabbos. So if there's a need for your nails to be cut, cut it this Arab Shabbos, which you're supposed to actually do it every Arab Shabbos. Um, and then you'll, the next time you know, you'll do it is for the, the next Shabbos. Obviously for the mikvah, it's permitted. Um, the traveling during the nine days is there's no, there's no clear isser to travel during the nine days. It's permitted to travel during the nine days. But the general hanhaga, the approach is to avoid it because we try to avoid things that are unsafe during the nine days. It's a zman of din, and we don't want to put ourselves in a matzav of sakana, in a situation where things could happen. And nowadays, certainly on commercial airlines, uh, there is an additional element of sakana, obviously, with infection. So it might be, unless it's, it's necessary or it's a dvar, a dvar mitzvah, it, if it can, you should, you should delay it if possible. <clears throat> we are about to begin the nine days, which is the period of, of mourning over the Beis HaMikdash. And, and in the parasha, there's an interesting event that took place between Moshe Rabbeinu and Elazar Akayin, and it's not such a familiar part of Parashas Matos, not one of the most familiar parts of it, but there was this thing that happened in between uh, Moshe Rabbeinu, and uh, Elazar Akayin at that point had taken over the position of Aaron Akayin. He had become the Kayin Gadol. And we can learn something very important from this event, and it can help us have an approach to when we make mistakes, how to deal with them and how to learn from them, how to grow from them, 
and how to build from them. And an over, it's an overall view about the mourning of the Harbin Beis Mikdash, where we're mourning mistakes that happened in the past, but essentially what we're doing is we're mourning that we haven't done anything about those mistakes yet. And we're still living with those mistakes and we're still not really correcting them. That's really what the mourning is all about. Now, in our parasha, it tells us that Klai Yisrael were commanded by Hashem to take revenge on Midian. Midian, the country of Midian, parashas, uh, and the parashas Balak, had sent all their women out to cause us to sin. And they were successful. And as a result, 24,000 Jews died. It's a lot of people. A lot of people. 24,000 Jews died. And that was a terrible disaster. And the army consisted of 12,000 soldiers, 1,000 from each Shevet. And they successfully killed out all the Midian men. A very successful campaign. Then they returned from the war triumphant with all the booty that they looted during the war. And they also came back with captives. Who were their captives? Women and children. At this point, Moshe Rabbeinu, as soon as he sees them coming with the women, he turns to the leaders of the army and he becomes angry. Pasik says, Vayiktsoif Moshe, Apakude Hachab. Moshe got angry. Vayiktsoif. Apakude Hachoil, sorry, Alafim, sorry, Mayas, the commanders of thousands, the commanders of hundreds, Abayim Mitzvah Muhammad, who were coming from the war. The Moshe was angry at the commanders who returned from his war. What was his problem? His problem was, how could you have left the women alive? These women were the whole point of this war. They were the ones who caused us to sin. They were the ones who dragged Kali Yisrael into that mess in the first place. So he immediately commanded them to put the women to death, which they did. Now, the very next parasha in the Torah, the very next paragraph begins, now speaks up. He talks to the, the warriors, that came from the war. These are the commandments of the Torah. Moshe was commanded by Hashem. What does he teach them? He teaches them one of the very familiar halachas that we have of kashering kalim. They had just looted all kinds of uh, vessels from the guy and pots and pans and dishes, and they had to know how to make it kosher, usable, right? They were keeping kosher at this point. So they had to, these are the halachas of Hagalah, halachas of Libon. It's also the halachas of when you buy a keli from a guy, you have to title it. All that is in this parasha that Allah's our client taught Baal Yisrael. Now, the funny thing here is, this is very strange. Why is Allah's teaching Tyra? That's Moshe Rabbeinu's job. This is a very unique event. Allah is the first and last time, uh, as recorded in the Torah, ever teaching Klai Yisrael. Otherwise, it's also right. What's going on here with Allah? Why is Allah taking over the, the, the podium for these halachas of Kashri and Kalim? The Rashi poses this question, and he brings an answer from a medrash. It says, Since Moshe got angry, he made a mistake. Temporarily, he forgot the halachas of Kashri and Kalim. He was meant to teach it. But since he had just become angry, he, he, he had a temporary forgetfulness. And he forgot these halachas. He couldn't teach them. Now, Rashi brings two other examples where Moshe Rabbeinu had gotten angry. But I saw in a sefer that it just explains very nicely. He says that Moshe Rabbeinu didn't get angry. The word for anger is kas. And it doesn't say vayichos Moshe. Moshe didn't get angry because the Pasuk in Mishle says kas becheik ksilim yanuach. The anger is something that only fools have. It's not, it's not something possible. Moshe Rabbeinu didn't get angry. Vayichtoif is the outward expression of anger. It's, it, 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 it's an act of anger, which means he had to rebuke them and he had to make sure his message got through. 
So he was ve'iktsev. He acted out of anger just to make sure the message gets through. That's what Moshe Rabbeinu didn't get angry, but he was cut, he was cut up. He he, he de- demonstrated this anger. What was wrong? And it was a mistake. Why was it a mistake? So the Sefer Sifsei Kain, who's a Talmud that Rizal, he says a very very partial, very, very simple explanation. He says the warriors that had brought back these women, they most certainly were planning on killing these women because they understood that was the whole point of the war. These are the women that brought such a chil Hashem, that caused such so, so much death, so much destruction in Kali So he, uh, he explains that what they wanted to do is they wanted to make a Kiddush Hashem. And they wanted to bring some more Yerushalayim to make up for that tremendous Chil Hashem that had happened. So what did, what did they do? They, they were going to bring the women in front of the whole of Klai Yisrael and put them to death in front of everybody. So everybody would be inspired to Yerushalayim, understand what happened, understand what went wrong, what people did wrong, how these women made such a Chil Hashem by, by um, deliberately causing Klai Yisrael to sin. And then by putting them to death, it will cause Yerushalayim. That's what they wanted to do. So that was their intention all along, and it was, it was a correct cheshman, it was a good cheshman. But Moshe Rabbeinu didn't give them a chance to explain themselves. And he very quickly assumed they made a mistake, and he became angry and rebuked them. And he rebuked them quickly, probably because he didn't want these women around. These women were, a, uh, they were public enemy number one. They had just caused so much trouble. He wanted them gone. But nevertheless, he didn't give them that, mo- that moment of explanation. They didn't give them that ability to explain their actions. And he rebuked them too soon. That's Vayiktsev Moshe. That was a mistake he made. And the others, the Rabnasin, uh, those Bryces support this because they bring this whole Rashi and this whole Gemara as a support to the concept in Pirkei Avas, have a Masunim Badin. Have a Masunim Badin means when you approach a Din Torah, when you're trying to figure out a Halacha, do it patiently, thoroughly. Think it through. Don't jump to a conclusion. And it brings this story as a proof to that. So we see that the problem was that Moshe Rabbeinu did it too soon. He got angry. He should have given them a chance to explain themselves. And as a result, Moshe Rabbeinu made this mistake. He forgot a parsha of Torah that he was meant to teach Klai Yisrael. Now, that's what Rashi says. Now, the Sifri says a different thing than Rashi. And the Sifri says, you know why Moshe Rabbeinu allowed a Lazar to teach this parasha, which was a unique event? Why did he give a Lazar the, the podium to teach? He says, because Moshe Rabbeinu knew he's going to pass away soon. And he, a Lazar Kayin is, is going to succeed Moshe Rabbeinu in teaching Torah. Kahanim were always the ones who taught Torah. And he wanted to give him that honor, that respect, that he should have legitimacy while, while Moshe Rabbeinu was alive. He would have credibility. Otherwise, the Sifri says he would get up to teach and people would say, uh, who says you're authorized to teach? Who says you're capable of teaching? You never taught when Moshe Rabbeinu was alive. So Moshe Rabbeinu gave him the stand so that it would, everybody would see that he, Moshe Rabbeinu himself, installed Elazar as his mamala makim, him to, to, to teach after he's gone. Now, it also adds another thing to Sifri, which Rashi kind of mentions, and that is that, that when Elazar Kayin uh, actually taught, it says, These are the laws of the Torah. He quoted Moshe Rabbeinu. He didn't teach it from himself. He says, This is what Hashem, didn't say what Hashem said. No, what Hashem taught Moshe. And he quoted Moshe Rabbeinu. He gave him attribution. He, he, he said, He said it in the name of the person who said it. And that's maybe that brings redemption to the world. And it's very famous. Chazal learned this also from Esther Hamalka, who told Achashverosh about Bixim Viserish, Atemer Esther Lamalch B'Shem Mordechai. She said it in the name of Mordechai, which we know eventually brought the, the 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 redemption of Purim 
because now Achashverosh made that connection that Mordechai was the one who saved him. So te- teaching at, and saying over something in the name of who said it, maybe Gulul Now these two Midrashim don't seem to work with the first one. The first one says, Meshur Rabbeinu forgot it. That's why he didn't teach it. That's why Allah had to teach it. And the second one says, no, he actually gave the podium to Allah willingly. So was it by choice or was it not by choice? So I think perhaps that what happened here was like this. Moshe Rabbeinu became angry at the warriors. It was wrong and it was a mistake. And he didn't give them the chance to explain themselves. And as a result, Moshe Rabbeinu suffered from a temporary inability to recall the parish of Kashri and Caleb. Now he could have asked the Lazar to remind him. He could have asked the Lazar to, to review it with him and then he would teach it as normal. And you find in Gemara many times that a Talmud, a and Rav Yosef and others they gently remind their Rebbe of something they forgot, and then the Rebbe goes ahead and remembers it and teaches it to the whole yeshiva. That would have been a respectful thing to do. Allow Moshe to continue teaching and just remind him of what he forgot. But instead, Moshe Rabbeinu made a choice, and he said, you know, this is an opportunity for me to give respect and honor and credibility to Allah Zerachayim. Giving respect to Allah Zerachayim was of extreme importance and gave the Torah continued a, a Continuity, so that Talmudim will respect and honor and revere Allah's teachings, which were essentially Moshe Rabbeinu's teachings. Moshe utilized his mistake to actually rectify the situation in a way that it was better than before. The mistake of Moshe Rabbeinu was that he diminished the respect of Kal Yisrael. He took away from their honor by not giving them a chance to explain themselves, by not giving them a chance to, to, to to understand what they did, why they did what they did. And he jumped to rebuke them. And he should have been slower about that. And that took away a little bit from the covet of Kali Yisrael. And that respect that a Rebbe has to have for his Talmidim is, is very important. It has to be there in order that the Rebbe and the Talmidim can learn from each other. And as a result, he wasn't able to teach them the next parsha. But instead he said, he looked at his mistake and he says, you know what, I'm going to use this mistake and I'm going to use it to not only rectify my mistake, to make it even better than before. I'm going to give honor to Kali Yisrael. I'm going to give honor to my Talmud. I'm going to install Allah to teach this parasha instead of me. And then you know what happened next? He honored him publicly, and then Allah in turn said over the Torah in the name of Moshe Rabbeinu. And by doing that, he actually made Moshe Rabbeinu Chazal say that how can a person live in this world and in the next world simultaneously? How can you live in both worlds simultaneously? The Gemara says that if you teach Torah to someone and that person after you pass away says it over in your name, teaches your Torah in your name, your mouth is talking from your grave. It's as if you're living in this world, meaning you're still teaching Torah. You're still growing from Torah. Normally a person dies, it's over. No more learning Torah, no more growing from Torah. But no, you're still teaching Talmidim, even after you're passed away. So Moshe Rabbeinu, by giving this honor to Allah, actually ensured his own continuity, actually made himself a greater person. So he utilized this mistake, not only to rectify the mistake, by now, instead of taking honor away, giving honor to his Talmidim, he actually caused greater growth within himself as a result. Greater growth in Torah itself. And we see a very important message here. Moshe Rabbeinu made a mistake. Now, you know, when we say Moshe Rabbeinu made a mistake, we always have to understand it was something very, very, very subtle. 
Chazal put it in very simplistic terms so we can get the message. But it was a very, very subtle thing. Nevertheless, Chazal said it was a mistake. And he recognized this mistake, and he immediately after, because he forgot some Torah. And the tendency is that we bury our mistakes. We like to forget about them. They're embarrassing. And it, it's, it's not so easy to, you know, live with your mistake and then take it on head on, be honest about it, and seek to rectify it. But Moshe Rabbeinu didn't just rectify his mistake. He did much more than that. He utilized his mistake. And that's a fascinating concept. A mistake is there for us to do something with it, to utilize it and cause greater growth, cause greater opportunity. He used his mistake itself, the tikkun of the mistake, to ensure that greater honor would be given to his Talmudim, greater honor would be given to Klai Yisrael. And the net result was that he became greater in Tyre as a result. It gave him life in both worlds. His entire was now being taught in his name after he was gone as well. And that made him greater. And it ensured the continuity of the Tyre. Mistakes are difficult to admit and they're difficult to regret and they're difficult to step away from. Honesty is not the easiest attribute to come by. But making mistakes is human. Hashem built it into our system. And every mistake gives us opportunity to become greater and grow. And Chazal say, interesting thing, Chazal say, You don't really, really understand or get or make it yours, Taira, unless you made a mistake about it. Now, we all know that, right? When we make a mistake in, in practice and someone taps us on the shoulder and says, you just did something wrong, we, from that, we don't forget that halacha after that. Then we remember it. By the last siyam that we had of uh, Dafa Shavua, the last or two ago, um, Daniel um, Abadi spoke, and he was saying how they, they give the tests, Dafa Shavua gives the tests, and the ones you get wrong, those are the ones you remember. And it's 100% true. You get something wrong on a test, that's the one you're going to remember. Mistakes are there. They're not meant for mistakes. We're going to make mistakes. HaKadosh Baruch Hu wants us to make mistakes. And he wants us to use those mistakes to make the situation better. To, 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 to use, utilize them, be honest about them, not to bury them, not to forget about them, but to use them as a method of growth and to rectify the situation even in a better way. And in particular, the mistake that Moshe Rabbeinu made and the way he rectified it is so relevant for us very much now and very much in, re- in relevance to what we can do now in the time of mourning over the Kharb Mesa Mikdash. Moshe Rabbeinu took away some honor from Ka Israel and then he made it up. And that's something that we need to do a lot of. We need to see to it that we can respect other people. Moshe Rabbeinu didn't give them a chance to explain themselves, and then instead he put, put Elazar on a pedestal. He put his Talmud on a pedestal. He made him higher than him, so to speak. He gave him over his, his, the, the, the reign in his, in his lifetime. And it's so important for us to respect other people. It's the olive base. Number one, it's the air of a relationship, is respect. And as I read in a book once is that when respect is there, you almost don't notice it. But when it's missing, you can't survive without it. And it's like air. Air, when it's there, you don't necessarily notice it. But when you don't, you certainly do. I can tell you that. So respect is so important. And the, 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 one of the first, first steps of respect is listening. is giving the person the respect to explain themselves to honor what they say, to, to respect them enough to hear them out, and to give their opinion fair and, and, and equal treatment as you would give your own opinion. 
that is such an important thing to work on. And, and I, see, I mentioned this last week, and I'm just going to mention it again. It, it's, it's a test we're, we're, we're suffering from now. Our differences and opinions are being brought to the forefront right now. And it's a test. It's an assign for us to be able to respect other people, respect their opinion, hear them out, agree or disagree, but respect them and respect their opinion. And that's a big step towards rectifying the lack of Avas Yisrael, which we suffer from. May HaKadosh Baruch Hu help us all to work on ourselves, to grow in this such integral midah of living with all human beings, respecting everybody around us. And may that be as chus for the base of Mikdash to be rebuilt again. And Mashiach to come from here, remain on main. Everyone have a wonderful night and a wonderful Shabbos.